0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, the long night is over, and uh, we are back. Uh, this is going to be our Game of Thrones season six, episode one review. Uh, I am Matt in the studio. We have Bauer from a, a remote location. How you doing?
1: Hello, I am very good, sir. Glad to be back, and glad to be talking
0: about the show again. Yeah, so we had some uh, big changes in the off season. I have actually. Uh, moved out of the city where we were initially recording this so this is a, a, a groundbreaking episode yes yeah, we're trying relying up heavily up. on the
1: technology yeah, lo- relying heavily on it indeed
0: yeah and so uh, this is going to be you know our uh, episode one full in-depth uh, review we're going to have one of these for each of the episodes we may have some bonus content here and there leading up to the finale So, Drew, uh, as a a season premiere, what would you think about it?
1: Yeah, season six is here. We waited a long time. Um, Overall, I thought it was an okay episode. Um, In terms of overall premieres, I thought it was fine. Uh, I was so hyped coming into it that I felt like anything was probably going to be, for lack of a better term, a letdown. Uh, But... I, w- I was pleased with the content, the production value. Like, I don't have any qualms there. I thought the writing was fine. Uh, in terms of it being, a, like, an overall, if you're looking at all, you know, 51 episodes, um, I would rank it in the middle somewhere, probably. Yeah, that's how it is. It, it's, it's a mid-to-bottom-middle
0: to sh- uh, episode for me. One of the biggest things that stuck out, though, was it was only 46 minutes of actual show time for this one. So, you know, we had an 8-minute long recap of the entire fourth season which is fine which which people need but you know give us a little bit more at least i mean that's you know Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes short of what a a average thrones episode is
1: yeah and i know there were a couple uh, comments about that uh kind of an interesting choice um and i know this probably has nothing to do with it but i think it's an interesting choice considering we just heard about season seven and eight being shorter than ten episodes, and you know content is thin, so to speak, yeah, so I don't know. maybe we'll see some shorter episodes this season and and
0: yeah, you know that that that's another uh another discussion for another day, especially, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but 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 one thing I find with all these premieres is that, you know, you're left on the high and the cliffhanger mm-hmm. that the last season gave you. And, you know, us as people, we always want this instant gratification of knowing what happens right now. And, yep. you know, we're more concerned about getting to a point where we don't really appreciate the ride. And there was a bunch of really good scenes, a bunch of really good bits and pieces that we had in this episode that I think was overlooked a lot.
1: Yeah, top takeaways for me, uh, Davos, where he's been and where he's heading. He's become a, a bigger f- favorite of mine. I would have never even probably ranked him in my top five, even just maybe two episodes ago. But ending in season five and starting in season six, I've really enjoyed uh, where he's going. Um, yeah. No, well, th- I I will say that if you, if you go back and listen to some of our older content,
0: I have always been a fan of The Onion Knight. Yeah. And,
1: and touche, so, you know, like – Yeah. You knew you knew good, you know, characters uh, early on. I'm a good judge of character, I guess you could say Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another big thing for me was, even though the episode was called Re- The Red Woman, uh, Melisandre for me was a standout for two. One is not so nuanced, but I felt like the first one was reason. Uh, she was the first person to come visit the body. And then when we see her in her true form at the end, um, I felt like, it was the most most vulnerable and human that we had ever seen her. And uh, something about it stood out to me because she's always such a stalwart. It's my way or the highway, Lord of Light. And you got you to gotta roll with it. Um, and my last two things that I want to point out, uh, a, a little funny moment with Tyrion trying to speak Valyrian and Varys having to bail him out. And, you know, it really proves to me that Varys is there for a reason. You know, Tyrion's smarter than a lot of folks in the realm, but he still needs, you know, he needs a core group too. This is one of the, the, of the many duos that I'm excited to see this
0: season. Um, you know, it, is Varys and Tyrion taking on Marine and trying to, to fix the,
1: the city that's
0: in shambles mm-hmm. currently?
1: No, I, I really agree with you on that. And I also think the show has a very um, interesting way of making those pairings each season. You know, we've noticed a couple of good pairings over the past couple years, and I think it has helped both actors, you know, on a, on a professional and production value level. So I, I'm glad that they try to incorporate that as much as they can within the story. And then lastly, I just want to say uh, another kind of subtle but a standout moment to me was Dario and Jorah. Uh, Went before they find the ring. Daria basically acknowledging that, you know, Daenerys has no love lost for Jorah, but Jorah's obsessed with her to the nth. will put anything on the line, is currently afflicted with a disease that no one knows about, but continues to serve. And so I'll just leave it there. I thought that was really interesting to hear.
0: Yeah. You know, as we talk about those subtle little things in the episodes, um, the biggest point for me, and I think this is going to be one of the bigger um, moments and kind of bits of information that's been uh-huh. revealed in the show, is uh, Cersei talking about the Maggie the Frog prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, f- f- for those of y'all who, who don't remember, the beginning of uh, season five, it's, it sh- it's a flashback to Cersei, and she goes in this witch's hut. Well, her, her name is Maggie the Frog, and you know, she basically tells Cersei that you know, you're, you're going to be queen, you're going to have these children, but they're all going to die. Yeah. And they're all going to die before you. And, you know, we look at it, Joffrey got nixed, and <laughs> at the very end of the season, Marcella, you know, is coming back. And whenever y- – you just see this moment of Cersei where she's in, in pure joy to see her daughter because, you know, sh- all she talks about in season four to Oberyn is how much she misses her. Yep. And then she finally gets to see her, and then she realizes, oh, you know, she, she's not alive, she's not coming back. And then – that leads to her realizing that, oh, well, this prophecy is, is fate. You know, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So I'm curious to see how that translates into her behavior around Tommen now, knowing that he's the last one and that if she believes that prophecy, then she thinks he's going to die. And, uh, and and then another big point, I think this was probably a, a favorite for everybody, is the, the Ser Davos and Alistair Thorne exchange. And just, you know, you kind of see how it's two powerful men who, you know, aren't easily swayed in any chance, and so mm-hmm. uh, w- one of my favorite quotes from this was uh, Sir Davos saying, uh, well, we uh, we appreciate your offer, and we're going to discuss among ourselves and get back with you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a very snide way, so, and then, you know, speaking of that, that kind of humor, uh, I, I like that Thrones kind of made this episode a little bit lighter and more, you know, viewer-friendly, not as intense, uh, with a Dothraki humor, too, you know, usually they're very, you know, stern and serious and like hey let's either go kill people or go eat or you know, do something with our time and sure this kind of shows that you know they had a sense of humor as well
1: yeah I thought it was really lighthearted considering the situation I mean to be fair the horde seems to be doing fairly well but you know Daenerys is not in a good place absolutely
0: all right, so I guess we can start uh, start the beginning with the wall. You know, it, uh, it it starts on the actual wall is the first ten you know, seconds of the, the uh-huh. episode. And then it rolls to Jon Snow's body. And obviously we know that it was Alistair and all the Night's Watchmen know too. So, you know, he's sitting there at the high table <laughs> telling everybody, hey, uh, I just killed Jon Snow. And then he literally says, and I quote, loyalty means everything to me. And he also goes to say, you know, I never disobeyed an order that John gave me. Well, I didn't realize that, hey,
1: not stab me. I thought that was kind of an implied thing.
0: <laughs> right? I,
1: I mean, what a – I don't even know. Like, clearly the guy's deluded uh, and wants to be the Lord Commander. Because, you know, it. for all intents and purposes, he probably should have been. Uh yeah. but you know, John beat him in the end and he just couldn't handle that. And he did not agree with his politics. I will say though, I'm not defending him. I think he's a terrible human being, but Alistair's saying um that hold on what am I trying to say? We'll have to go back. You know when he you know when he says, um Oh, he believed what John was doing like John believed what he was doing was, was right? right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to say okay i'll just start with the alistair part okay when alistair says that he b- that john believed what he was doing was right and alistair's acknowledgement of that i thought that was a little subtle thing too as he's trying to explain himself to a full you know mess hall of angry night's watchmen
0: yeah well i mean so, so the only difference real- realistically in the the actions of Alistair and the actions of john by bringing the waddling south of the wall is that they both made a decision that they thought was right now the only difference is is that nobody gets hurt except for john making this decision that's for him. true and you know so and, and then we move on to where it's davos and ed and the other night's watchmen who lock themselves you know with john's body and he gets a ghost and so you know they're trying to plan out you know how are we going to stop the entire Night's Watch from getting Jon's body? And another great quote from Davos is, you know, you people are you aren't the only ones who owe your lives to Jon Snow. And, uh, you know, so, so I'm a- really excited to see uh, some Ed and Tormund and Davos taking on Alistair. And I think I would give a couple years off of my life just to see Ollie get brutally murdered on screen. Oh, that I'm would so be ready.
1: I'm so ready for it. But I think you're uh, the kind of three Musketeers, Davos, Ed, and Tormund, which I think is what you're alluding to. I think that is going to be really cool to see it play out. Because I don't think the Night's Watch, who were against John, really know what's coming to him. If we If we get that revenge... Exactly. And so, you know, and, and, uh, this also tells you a little
0: bit about Jon Snow's personality as well. Just the fact that, you know, he's created this relationship with the Wildlings, which is actually, I think, going to end up being beneficial in the long run. Um, but, but you know, they b- even the Wildlings believed in Jon, and I believe they're going to come and try to avenge him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard not to believe in him after that White Walker battle at Hard Home. And I'm just, yeah, I, I, that's I all I'm going <laughs> to say. Yeah.
0: That's that's very true. And so, you know, keeping in the north, we move on to Winterfell and uh, it opens up with a very interesting scene of Ramsey, who is grieving for Miranda.
1: Yeah, weird, weird segue here. Um, You know, obviously, the Boltons have become more prominent in the show uh, as they kind of, you know, supersede the Starks and their legacy in the north. But yeah, kind of a more human moment for Ramsey, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I, I I'll say it, it, it was human at first, and it was <laughs> like, you know,
0: she was she was a kennel master's daughter, and, you know, she everybody was afraid of me, but she wasn't. You know, we had a really good thing. And so then the maester's like, okay, well, do you want to bury her or do you want to burn her? And he's like, yeah, just feed her the dogs. It doesn't matter. That was very like,
1: short-lived, right?
0: Yeah. It's like, damn, man. I mean, jeez. Anyway, and, and so then we pick up with, uh, I guess, Theon now and Sansa who are running from the dogs. And so, you know get to this freezing cold you know waist deep river and theon's yep. like oh man you know c- come on like those dogs are going to be terrible and then whenever Brian and pod save them the dogs just disappear
1: yeah so you pointed this out to me and I, I kept seeing it on the internet and i don't know if there was a reasonable explanation given so so f- from what i've understood is that you know in game of thrones you know they, they've
0: killed multiple animals or show you know multiple on-screen deaths of animals sure. whether it be horses or, or dogs or you know, sheep or anything like that and they've got a lot of backlash for it which to me you know makes no sense I mean it's Game of Thrones you know people get stabbed and murdered all the time and nobody has a problem with it but then you know I- that they show these dogs are going to rip Sansa apart who everybody's you know cheering uh-huh. for they're like oh well we're just going to conveniently you know leave those out
1: which just, it, I said this to you earlier, it is fake death. Like, nobody, yeah, exactly. n- nothing happened. <laughs> it's purely yeah. for
0: screen. And so, you know, looking at it now, one thing that stuck out to me is, um, you know, whenever Brienne drops her sword down and, and, and gives her knight, you know, her oath, or pledges her, you know, life to Sansa, mm-hmm. is that, all right, well, you know, th- th- this is the, the first person in Sansa's army. Realistically, I mean, she she now has an army of three. Which, which is... is know, but that's Brienne, awesome. Pod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- this is going to be the start of something very big. So, you know, uh, that's just one thing that, that stuck out to my mind.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was a good exchange. Uh, you know, I, I'm always a little taken aback by Brianne. Like, I find her to actually be so noble. It's like Ned Stark Jr. Uh, but I... Sometimes it comes off as overly like medieval cheesy. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree anymore. And I get it, and but yep. like you got to lay, you have to actually lay down the sword. You have to pledge my, my life or yours if it should come to that. Yeah. It's like on Until and on.
0: Time. Yeah. And I agree. You know, it, 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 it could be, you know, the, the, the way that, you know, Gwendolyn Christie's trying to play the part you know she's supposed to be this very noble person but that doesn't mean she has to be very you know
1: proper and hello sir (laughs) and yes (laughs) ma'am and things like that you know yeah anyway she's the first person to tell you one I'm not a light a knight and I'm certainly not a lady exactly but then she talks in you know Shakespearean
0: rhythms and rhymes and it just (laughs) that that's a very contentious point for me too and I've noticed that it kind of bothers me you know every now and then whenever I hear her really kind of try to sell apart. Yeah. And so, and then we move on to King's Landing, which, you know, is a, a very awesome, you know, part, I, I think. You know, you almost feel bad for Cersei. I mean, she can't catch a break currently. I mean, she just had to have her walk of shame, which is all warranted. You know, that's one thing I love sure. about this show is that they make this character, like, you know, take Jamie for instance. You know, he's the first real villain in Game of Thrones, and yeah. now it's come to the point where everybody's cheered for him, you know, and uh in D- D- Theon, the same thing, and everybody's cheered for him now, and so they have these big redemptive arcs that George yeah. and Dave and Dan like to add in there, and I almost, like, you know, I really felt bad for Cersei <laughs> whenever they say, oh, well, there's a ship arriving from Dorne, and she's so excited to see Marcella," and then we're all sitting there like, oh no, this is not good, we know how this ends. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, Crash and Burn immediately but, yeah, George, and especially Dan and Dave, have this interesting way of making you feel sorry for the most terrible people on the show. Now, I never felt yeah. sorry for Joffrey, ever. Um, no,
0: but, but, they, but they never gave him a redemptive arc for you to really f- feel like. Well, no, way. I mean, so the, so the, thing the, thing about the TV was sh- insane. Yeah, well, the thing about the TV shows are is that they can portray characters how they want you to see them. Oh, yeah,
1: that's totally fair.
0: So you know, they really have the power of perception and, and they they use it and they abuse it, which makes it great TV, really and truly. Yeah. Um and, and then so you know, uh, one of the best picture moments that I could if I did have a still picture of the episode would be, you know, Cersei on the shore so excited to see Marcella and then she sees Jamie, Amy Me in a gold shroud, which is, you know, direct Maggie the Frog prophecy. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely it,
0: and so, you know, and then she, she goes on to say, you know, the prophecy is fate. There's nothing you can do about it. And so, like I said earlier, I'm really excited to see how that kind of uh, expands into her uh, relationship with Tommen.
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, the prophecy and all that it goes into and everything that's already occurred. Uh, but you wonder if the character, meaning Cersei in this situation, actually makes decisions that make it come true. You oh, know yeah. I mean? It's like, like, a like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Faded. Yeah, I mean, they're always fated to make the wrong decision with yeah. whatever, you know, will the outcome be for the people involved, the victims, I guess you would say. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and then, you know, a, another big quote from this is, you know, her and Jamie talking and Jamie saying, you know, forget everyone who isn't us. He says it a little yeah. more explicitly than I do. But, you know, I, I think that's going to be, you know, it's going to be, nitty-gritty family versus family, you know, in it to win it, in it together type thing.
1: Yeah. Now, look, I got to be honest. This was kind of a backslide for me on Jamie. Uh, I get where he's coming from. He's never been able to acknowledge that he actually had children that he cared about and couldn't do anything about. And the moment of realization that Marcella actually knew the situation and was totally okay with it, and then her being taken away, I think, caused him to react like that, yep. which I, I really do understand. I'm not a parent, but my big thing was, though, he has come so far, I still don't understand why he's, he keeps coming back to Cersei, and maybe it's just because it, on that human level, you know, they just keep losing.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's like you said, he really got to be a dad for all of 10 seconds maybe yeah and then had it ripped away and so then we move on to uh to, you know to, to the great sept where uh it shows marjorie in the cells with one of the septas and you know she's just getting her catechism in i guess you could say <laughs> you know it's, it's sitting there you know having the the holy book read at her and then Man, we get the I'm hu- over that lady i'm over the whole deal with uh, the faith militant but i think yep, it's gonna get I'm shoved down you. our throats But then we get this whole High Sparrow, like, good cop, bad cop routine. You know, he tries to come in. It's like, you know, I I was, (laughs) if I was Marjorie, I'd have been like, dude, just get the hell out of here. Like, if you're going to let me go, awesome. If not, you know, leave me, essentially.
1: Well, yeah, like, you're still not achieving, like, you're not helping me achieve what I want to accomplish, which is to see Loris. Yeah. You know, you're just being like, oh, I'll have to talk to her. She was being very bad.
0: Yeah, exactly, and so but you know at least it let us show because you know they've pretty much forgot about uh Loris and Marjorie from like episode five or six on they didn't even address it in the finale yeah and so you know uh, I was glad to say oh yeah they're still here by the way
1: I don't uh, I don't think we've seen Loris and yeah exactly that amount of time yeah well period. And, and and speaking of
0: <laughs> things we wish we could forget uh, we move on to Dorn which has just been a total butchering of a really <laughs> interesting storyline they could have done in my thing. Yeah. So, you know, um, that, like I said before, this didn't have the shock factor to me because I accidentally stumbled upon it, uh, you know, trying to prepare for the, the episode, you know, try to get hmm. my bearings around what was going to happen and, or not, not what was going to happen, but you know, the, the build up and, and kind of just, just to have a more in depth view of the episode, sure. I stumbled across the fact that, Oh, Hey, Doran's going to get killed, and then uh, Tristane is also going to get a spear to the back of the head.
1: I mean, just an odd, I don't know, I, I felt like this was very disjointed, I mean, you had to have some deaths, uh, I think, for the episode, but kind of an interesting, I thought it was an interesting placement, a first episode kind of towards the middle, um, and I I don't want to be too long-winded on it but I thought it was all very happenstance, very coincidental that they were there in the right position at the right time when he got the letter. Yeah. Um, and well, I agree w- with you that Dorn has been uh ca- kind of the the least attractive and interesting things of the show.
0: Yeah, it, you know, the thing for me too is it's not that they did it. I mean, that's bad enough to have it so ab- abrupt, but it's how they did it. I mean, not only was it very hurried and very disjointed and put together, but they have this 95-pound girl who, you know, stabs Ariel Hotai in the back. And, I mean, l- I get the dude takes a knife to the back, but he's supposed to be, like, one of the most badass warriors in Dorne. And he's just like, oh, okay, I'm dead now cause I can't move, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing was... Okay, I, I actually take your point of view on Ariohota and the whole, you know, he's stronger than now. But, I mean, to be fair, it all went down pretty quickly. And not to defend them, because I do think they're kind of angsty, the Sand Snakes uh, and Alaria. But um, they know how to kill people, to be fair. Yeah. I mean... It, that's true, too, but, you know, it, it
0: just, it, when I look at it, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I've never been stabbed in the back before, but w- I, you're not going to be instantly dead, I mean, you know, no matter what. No, you won't be. And the fact that Ariel, you know, he's this badass dude, and, you know, he didn't even take a swing back, like, you know, I just felt it, it I, I did not like it
1: at all. <laughs> no, I hear it, you. Uh it, it, I felt like his character was so over-promised, under-delivered.
0: Yeah, well, it, it was like a, k- kind of like a dangling carrot for the book readers to say, you know, you know who this guy is, because show, show watchers really don't care. You know, if you just yeah. watch the show and don't know who he is, you don't even know his name. I'd be willing well, I agree. to bet I mean, most he people was don't. Built,
1: no, they don't. But he was built up way more in the books.
0: Exactly. And, and so, you know, you finally see him on the show, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're about to get some, you know, some fights, you know, I want to see some spear staffs getting, you know, swung around. And then he goes out like that, you know, very dissatisfying for me. I, and I don't know if you noticed this. So whenever Tristan is on the boat with the two sand snakes and they're like, oh, do you want her mm-hmm. to kill you or do you want me to kill you? And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to fight you. Well, yep. he turns his back on the other girl. <laughs> I know. Like,
1: I mean, you know their intentions. They say what they're going to do. Why the hell would you turn your back on them? Yeah, way way too trusting.
0: Yeah, which I, I think, you know, I guess as we see now, it could, could be a part on his dad. And, you know, a, a great qu- another great quote from the Dorn uh, portion of this is, you know, weak men will never rule Dorn again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing some stuff uh, in the tea leaves about how they're going to pull this off, how the gr- the women are going to pull this off. Uh one theory that I've heard, which I'm going to go into, is that Doran never left the palace anyway, so they're just going to issue orders as if he's still around. Huh? yeah. Uh, That's very possible. You know, like, because it's either done by Raven or by, you know, third party.
0: Yeah, and obviously you can tell that they have friends, you know, within th- yeah. the... The system, obviously, because all their guards were just kind of standing there, like, "Oh, well, yeah, he just got killed oh yeah, like they this." Didn't we're give
1: with a them now. Yeah, <laughs> like none. Yeah, and so
0: then we move on to across the narrow sea to Marine, and you know, uh, <laughs> just th- the great Tyrion and Varus scenes are going to start, you know, really getting on a roll here, um, coming season six. Dude,
1: you yeah. gotta kill it. Sorry, go <laughs> ahead, Matt. Titan is like go- just fucking going for this bone. What yeah. I was saying earlier, I keep having to mute my thing so uh-huh. you don't hear him. So I'm oh uh, yeah. undoing it and redoing it.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right, you ready?
1: Yep.
0: And so, you know, we have Varus, like one of the first things he says is, you know, you, lo- you walk like a rich person, and y- you kind of forget that Varus really came from nothing. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he was literally living on the streets and had to scratch and claws to be where he is now. And Tyrion doesn't really have that street smarts type thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been exposed to less. Uh, One one good example that I like to compare, and he was so short-lived on the show, was Oberyn. You know, Oberyn had done all that traveling, Mm -hmm. and I felt like he really understood, like, the cultures, the East and the West, and just kind of how everything was supposed to go down. And yeah, I agree with you. Tyrion's read a lot, but he's never done it in practice. And Varys, you'd argue, has literally come from nothing, and he's probably come the most far out of any character in terms of changing your life station.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so obviously, we can tell that, you know, uh, under the Tyrion and Varys rule, it's going
0: to be a little bit different than when Daenerys was there, just because, you know, they're actively going out into the community, trying to blend in, but also trying to, you know, spread some good faith. Especially among the slaves who are really the most vulnerable population now. Um, yeah. You know, so I have a I, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say so you know, I just I really enjoyed the Red Priest, you know, sitting there talking to the slaves saying that, you know, Daenerys is away now and so you know, we don't know when she's coming back. Mm-hmm. So now it's up to you. You know, you have to fight for your own salvation. You have to, you know, make things happen if you want them to happen. You can't just sit around and, you know, fall back and, and really regress from where you started at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, they clearly have more of an opportunity than they've ever had. I do think it was an interesting choice that a red priest was telling them this. Um, and we're also seeing them pop up way more. Uh, you know, you'd argue that Melisandre and I guess Quaithe, to a certain degree, were the only kind of red priest types we'd seen until last well, and season. Th- and, and, well, and Thoros. Oh, yeah, and Thor. Yeah, to be- sorry, and Thoros. Um, I guess I had women on the brain on that one. Uh, <laughs> Thoros, of course, and then, you know when Tyrion sees the chick when he's sitting on the stairs? Yeah. When yeah. But Right before, he, In- g- inv- I guess, invili- he gets captured? Yeah. Uh, But we know from promo footage there's another one coming mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we are really surrounded by Rollor's, uh you know, followers for this.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, one of the most disappointing moments for me, uh, especially in this episode, really kind of in the whole scheme of, of the series is those ships burning. You know, you look at it, you're like, so Daenerys is finally, you know, amassed yep. an army. So we get to, like, we're, we're getting close. We're about to go to Westeros.
1: And then you see, oh, well, no, they're all caught on fire. Matt, I got to tell you, I like George, but I have no idea what he's doing with the East. I don't think he knows what he's doing. And maybe you are right, like, in that he has not actually designed this grand plan, which he's carefully weaving from book to book. I mean, I can't figure it out. Daenerys has hit reset, what, three or four times now? Yeah, at least it's 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 peaks and valleys, and i I really got to the point where I'm so
0: desensitized to it. I mean, obviously she's a big yeah. character. She has dragons. She's a Targaryen. You know, fire and ice, you know, all this stuff. You know, she she's going to be somewhere. So don't drag it out. You know, make it at least yeah. bearable to watch.
1: Well, I will agree with I, I don't know if George has ever specifically said this, but I will agree with him to the fact of it's not easy to take over a kingdom of millions of people without anything backing you up. You know, you have disobedient dragons, you have no ships, you've lost several armies, half the Unsullied are dead. Uh, You know, you can't even rule two cities of medium size. And you're expected to, you know, basically, think about it though. Ever since Aerys II was killed, you know, and everybody, not everybody, but people are wanting a Targaryen back. They're treating it to me like it's, Going to be the second coming of Aegon, because you yep. have three dragons that are back in the world, uh, and you know all the other supporting cyclical evidence. Yep. But I'm not it seeing it, it,
0: it, it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and w- we know that, especially in in this whole world that George has created, that you know history repeats itself, and, and I guess we see that yep. in, in the real world as well too. Um, and, and so, so then we move on, you know, to the to the Dothraki Sea of the the pairing of Jorah and Dario. And I'm really okay with how they did this scene um, towards the very end of last season. Whenever Daenerys drops that ring, oh yeah, I just remember thinking, so she drops this one single ring, and that's how they're magically gonna find her in this huge, you know, vast world. But looking back at it now, I think the way they did it was perfectly, you know, perfectly fine. They have you know the horses that are, you know, running around her in a circle, and it kind of creates this, you know circle of stomp-down, muddy yeah. you know, earth. And then there's like this really nice patch of grass in the middle of it, and that's how Jorah finds the ring. So I was okay with how they did that. And the only reason I wanted to say this because I bashed it so hard in the off-season. And so well, I'm yeah, going to apologize heard, for that, Dan and Dave.
1: And I had heard this sentiment from a lot of people, and i got to say you nailed it on the head. Uh, it was visually evident that that's where Daenerys stood. When she was taken, yeah. and it yeah. would have been perfectly plausible to find something like that if you were looking, yep. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you know another part of that, you know, two minute, three minute scene was you know Jorah. You can visually visually see now that his uh, grayscale is spreading.
1: Yeah, he is. He is just not. I mean, it's not going to get any better as we can see right now. Uh, people always bring up Shireen to us, you know, about that she was saved at a young age, and hers is in ar- is arguably more progressed than Jorah's yeah. current state. It um, definitely is. But look, I I'm not a I'm not I only pre- like to predict certain things on the show, and I can't quite figure out uh, how long Jorah will have. So I'm not sure if they're gonna like spend a, a cheese cheeser card and save him or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of one of those things where not everybody can live. You know, kind of obviously we see that in Thrones, but, you know, everybody says now, oh, is Stannis, oh, is he still alive? I really don't think he is, you know. So, so they've kind of spoiled us now in saying, oh, well, yeah. we don't know if they're really dead or not.
1: Well, and but they're really making th- they Jorah a tragic character.
0: Yeah. You know, he, he is, you know, he, he's, keep in mind, everybody forgets this, he's 60 years old. And yep. he's in love with Daenerys, who is like... Well, in the books, she's way younger than she is in the show, even. And she's still young in the show. So everybody's like, oh, man, I'm really pulling for the guy. And then you remember, it's like, no, this dude's 60. He has no <laughs> business being with her. <laughs> you know, it. it and there, y- we can talk about this later, you know, about his effect, you know, affinity for Targaryen-looking women and things like that. And so, you know, since we're talking about the Dothraki, you know, this was... The Dothraki scenes, you know, was was fantastic to me. I think it shows that, you know, they have culture, that, you know, they have these really strong norms and these really strong social structures yeah. that, uh, you know, that they abide by. Because, you know, that they're all these mad, you know, savage creatures, essentially. But they have their strict rules, just like the rest
1: of us. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was actually... I thought this did the Dothraki some justice because they've been off screen for such a long time uh, that you – I don't know. It felt like they had their, their stuff together more and that uh, things had you know, gone back to normal or what they consider normal, uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting take. And it, it really is absent of Daenerys because everything we know of the Dothraki had a Daenerys spin on it. You know what I mean? Because she was, yep. we were learning it as she was Through. learning it. We exactly. had never seen it before. Um, so, yeah, I, and I know you want to comment on the humor, which I thought was hilarious. But I do think that this kind of, um, it made you fully uh, continue to understand their motives and their way of life.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think, you know, when they're listing the best things in the world, you know, that shows their motives behind everything you know th- they have these very you know human instincts mm-hmm. that you know th- they act on, and so I guess you know we're going about to start the road to Viylthrac essentially i mean that that's the only place you can go obviously you f- from the uh from the the commentary that Kalmoro Moro was uh, explaining to Danny
1: yeah, the Dogeen, and uh Lord knows what's going on over there. I mean yeah. a bunch of widows of calls in the only like fixed position the dothraki have ever, you know, had. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what to expect there, but the thing that I find interesting is and we don't know this, but could you argue maybe that Daenerys was one of the few non-dothraki to marry in? I you would say I mean? probably
0: the o- I would say she's probably the only one,
1: and so maybe she is. I don't. I just don't know know if that's true. I think it is, but I don't know uh, for hundred percent. But my point is, uh, she is being forced to take on their entire tradition because she married into it, and she's not allowed to be herself. That's what mm-hmm. I. You know, she she is not Dothraki, and she doesn't be- she doesn't hold those beliefs. Even mm-hmm. though she was pregnant and went through that whole, you know, moon eating of my horse stars heart. and all that mess. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, And eating heart- horse hearts. Yeah. So, yeah, it's
0: going to be exciting to see how that plays out. Um, it <coughs> I was going to go into something else, but I'm just going to cut this out. We're kind of running long. Okay. All right. So, see, so then we move on to Bravos. And th- the one thing that I took away from Bravos is that blind aria is the worst aria.
1: Yeah. You I am and I- I- totally not motivated. Um, you know, it's one of those things, I'm going to use a real-world example. You know when you have, like, an employee and they probably could do a better job, but they never know about it? And mm-hmm. you discipline them a certain way or try to correct them a certain way and they end up becoming worse <laughs> because of it? Yeah. And, uh, look, I know some people, you know, they take criticism a different way. I think this was the it may in the end prove to be the most um I don't know the like maybe the best thing that happened to her in the course of deciding whether she wants to be a faceless man slash woman uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know I felt like this was an odd way to go because yeah. all we do is see her you know or er, the only thing it's been about is to get to the, get this far and once again we get slapped down. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and so what a great little Easter egg that's in this and I didn't catch it until the second time I was watching it through. Yeah, I'm so glad it shows Arya's Yeah, uh you know, it shows Arya, you know, begging for money and you know, people are kinda walking by and ignoring her and then off camera, you know, somewhere you see some, some legs walk by and you hear this guy say you know, did you see what happened to that Kingsguard? And I thought that was a really good nod, a really good Easter egg, you know, to, to, to last season and, you know, to, to really have some satisfaction of saying, yeah, Marin Trance dead, and yep. we all feel great about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a nice little nod, and once again, like, I'm glad that you caught that. I did not. I watched with about 12 people, and so there were a couple things of dialogue that I didn't quite catch, and I think that would absolutely be one of them. Uh, well, that's what
0: that's what you get for having more friends than I do.
1: <laughs> you you're more prepared for the episode than I am. I just happen to watch it with more people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so then, and then you know, we get the the waif at this point who just shows up yeah. and just starts br- beating the hell out of Arya. And you know, you think about this like, do people not care? Like, they see this blind girl getting assaulted on the streets of Braavos. And nobody really says it or does anything.
1: Yeah, I'm over this chick. I and all I wanna say is I feel like she's like one of those you know, those after after like school movie specials, she's like the babysitter everybody hates. I just can't stand yeah. her.
0: Yeah. A and, and, and so my thing is now, you know, especially with how these storylines go, we're gonna get the same thing for the next two to three episodes of just Arya getting the ever living shit beat out of her. Yeah. And then we know she's going to eventually figure out how to fight back. But it's just going to be a really painful process for her and also for us, too, to have to watch that.
1: Yeah, it is going to be a painful process, and I think it's one of those you just got to learn. But she really is paying for the sin of not following the rules and not really appreciating how they do things. You know, yeah, I mean, and this was the price of admission, and unfortunately, you didn't pay the whole price. You paid the, yeah, well you I mean did not pay the iron price. <laughs> exactly, but yeah,
0: th- that's how Arya's persona is. That's her personality. She's a loose cannon. She kind of does what yep. she wants. You know, uh, a- and I guess this is, you know, I think this will make her a better person. It's kind of like you know, getting forged by the fire. So we're have to get see her get burned a bunch to then come out as you know. a badass faceless man assassin who is going to go and tear down the list essentially
1: yeah and i think she can get there but i will be very very curious to find out if we can get her there in let's just ballpark it well if you got 10 this season and about 13 in about you know 13 uh, 23 episodes i don't know if she can get there that far i mean she's still fairly young And she needs some training. It can be done, but I'm just curious to see where this ends up and how it connects to the big, you know, the big close. Yeah. And speaking of the big close,
0: you know, we can move on back to the wall. You know, so they started at the wall. Mm -hmm.
1: And then they
0: come back to it at the very end. And, you know, everybody, so, you know, we realize the episode's coming to a close, and they go back, and we're like, oh, no, here it comes. Here it comes. And then they just throw out you know, this this banter between uh, Alistair and uh, Davos. And yep. he's saying, you know, Sir Davos, you know, we'll let you leave. You know, it's fine, which he's probably bluffing. But then he's like, you know, Davos says, I need some mutton. I'm, I'm not a very good uh, hunter, you know. I, I need <laughs> this or need that, you know, kind of sliding him a little bit, which was really great to watch.
1: Yeah, very, very uh, fun interaction. Uh, but I really do think Davos is just trying to run the clock out. Oh, absolutely. And, and then Which then, you I'm totally know, fine with.
0: Yeah. And, and so, you know, the the finale, you know the, the last you know part of the scene is you know, them trying to say, you know, okay, w- w- we have John in here, and it's us against the rest of the Night's Watch. Night's Watch. We're going to need all the people we can get. And then Davos, who has been, you know, solely against Mel for, you know, the entirety of the series that they've been together, you know, involved with each other. And he's like, well, we need the Red Woman. Yep. He's like, you know, I have seen her do some things and, you know, she's she's a very powerful person.
1: Well, this was one and of my favorite this was one of my favorite quotes of the episode and it also just opens up this whole, you know, rabbit hole of the things Melisandre has done, the things we think she can do. Um and so I really, really want to. Well, I hope we get to explore that a little bit more. I think we will, but uh, it was very connective to me that, yes, he has spent, probably besides Stannis, he has spent the most time with her, but he has seen things that even Stan- Stannis has not seen. Yeah.
0: And so, so then obviously we get to the part, you know, where sh- she kind of shows that. You know her, her her glamour magic is you know I, I was a little skeptic or you know so I was a little uh, unsure of of how what they were trying to portray essentially until yeah. you you went on about the the, the glamoring and how you know her her abilities to do that why don't you explain that a little bit
1: well so the big thing to me is okay she's been maintaining this glamour for you know a couple years now uh, arguably longer but in in the in the series and having met Stannis fairly early in even the book canon, uh, you know she's maintaining this glamour. But what really spoke volumes to me was why they chose chose to do this now, and what it really means in the overall. So okay, you've, you she's so stalwart in her beliefs and that she's right. And everything she sees will happen. Because, you know, she's got the Lord of Light, you know, channeled through her. But we see her fail miserably on more than one occasion. And especially in recent memory with Shireen and Stannis. And basically the mm-hmm. entire army going up into smoke. Uh, but then, you know, she comes back to the wall defeated. And you really just... you. You I mean you sympathize with her that she thought everything she was doing was right and was gonna pan out. and just like when somebody's having a bad day, they strip down, pull the covers over their face and try it again <laughs> tomorrow.
0: Yeah, you know and I, so I, wish th- I, <laughs> I I wish she wouldn't have stripped down quite as much.
1: <laughs> okay, I do want to point out, I'm sorry but I really felt like her stomach and upper area looked like a weirwood tree. <laughs> 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 I know it's horrible, but it uh, that's what I saw. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a very accurate
1: I, statement. I don't know if that was a subtle nod to maybe we'll see Bran in the next episode. Um, but, you know, dialing it back, being a little bit more serious about the situation and the meaning, I, I really moved sounds cheesy, but I really just felt compelled to dig a little deeper into what I thought about Melisandre at that moment.
0: Th- that that pretty much wraps up everything for, you know, the episode one and then, you know, I always like to watch the the trailers, you know, for the next episode so we can see, you know, what to look forward to for next week. Uh, what was your big takeaway from the this episode two, you know, kind of sneak peek?
1: Yeah, I mean big takeaways brand finally is back. Um, we should definitely see him next time. I'm not expecting Tower of Joy for episode two, but I think we're going to see him at least and maybe where he's come or how far he's come. Uh, and I think some more stuff with the Faith Militant is going to go down. Those are my kind of two big takeaways.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, and obviously we're going have to have some kind of resolution. Uh, I don't think they're just going to skip the wall for, uh, this, this episode or for the next episode. Just because, you know, that's the, the storyline that's on everybody's mind. You know, that, that's sure. That's why people are really watching the show right now.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. And that that's the big draw. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the biggest things are we didn't see Sam and Gilly last week, and we have seen no mention of House Greyjoy uh, except, yeah. you know, like everything that we're going to expect to go on with Euron. So I'm not really sure if we're going to get them next episode or not. But we know Tyrion is going to be up to no good uh, with the remaining dragons and marine. Yeah,
0: well, I think he's going to keep continuing to drink and to know things.
1: Yeah, (laughs) as he does. But, you know, I don't uh, know if it's going to be as amped an episode. Um, But maybe, you know, just slowly moving the ball forward. But I agree with you. Maybe there'll be some more wall that we hadn't anticipated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, like, like I said, that that that's
0: kind of the, the the story that's in the forefront of everybody's mind. So uh, obviously, we know it's going to be an exciting uh, rest of the season. And uh, so, so, do do we think we have Jon Snow back in uh, episode two?
1: Look, I I hope it holds true that he's coming back, but I don't think he's coming back in episode two. I will I will make that. I will make that stand right here. If I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. But I don't think he's going to be back yet. I seem to agree with you, too. All right, everybody. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking your time and
0: listening to us. Uh, as always, send us your questions. Uh, send anything you have. we uh, love to get some feedback. And uh, as we always say, Drew, the night is dark and full of terrors.